The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is my partner and the producer of the podcast. If you have a story or you know someone who has a story that you would like to share on the podcast, please reach out to us. Go to theaddictionpodcast.com and you can reach out to us there. Today is episode number 240. And today we have an interview, but before I talk about our interviewee today, it is almost mid-November and we're heading into the holidays. And oftentimes there is a want on the part of friends and family of addicts to wait until the new year to get their loved one into treatment. That is a really bad idea because addiction doesn't take a holiday. They're not going to magically stop doing drugs or abusing alcohol just because it's the holidays. And the longer you wait, the more risk you run that they might overdose or get arrested. So please, if you know someone who needs to get into treatment, get them into treatment now. Or if you yourself need treatment, don't wait until after the holidays, get into treatment now. Just a reminder to please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and also check out our YouTube channel for videos of our interviews. Today we're talking to Pastor Joe. His full name is Joseph Carlucci Adivai and he is senior pastor and founder of Grace Church in North Brunswick, New Jersey. He's also the former CEO of Serenity Springs Recovery, a drug and alcohol rehab center in Edgewater, Florida. He worked on Wall Street for 25 years and retired in 2009 as senior vice president of a $70 billion company. He pastors full-time and still invests to support his family. He's been married to Alicia Adivai for 34 years, and they have six children. Let's get more of Pastor Joe's story. Pastor Joe, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast today and telling your story. It's my pleasure. If, if I can give anyone hope, I'm there to do it. I know you will. Every story that we tell on this podcast, I know resonates with somebody. So take us back. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? And tell us your story. Well, okay. I was born in North Brunswick, New Jersey, which just happens to be the place where my church is. That's not a coincidence. That's a God incidence. And that's <laughs> another part of my story. But I grew up in a broken home. My father left when I was about three or four and they didn't get along and there was a lot of animosity. And by the time I was 13 or 14, uh, there was a court battle um, that my father was going to win because we found out that my mom's boyfriend was sexually abusing my older sister. Oh, yes. But at the time, I didn't know. How old so was were, she? She was 15. Oh. So there was five kids, two from a f her first marriage and then three from my dad. So the younger three, we were basically kidnapped because the court was going to award custody to my father. Um, and we didn't want that. We didn't really know him. But, uh, you know, so it was kind of like the lesser of two evils in our mind. But we really didn't know. So our mother literally 
took us, put us in a car, put blankets over us in the back seat of a car and kidnapped us. Okay. Moved us to New York, moved us to New York City, changed our name. So I had grown up as Joseph Adivai, but the new name I was using was Joseph Carlucci. Hence okay. the Joseph my Carlucci book. Adivai. Hence my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So at that time, so I was around 13 or 14. Um, it was actually when I was just turning 14. Um, and so living under this new name and, and missing my older brother and sister, not my dad as much, but them, uh, I just, I started with uh, smoking pot and went to hallucinogenics, THC, mescaline, acid, everything. Right from pot? Yes. Didn't take long. But pot's not a gateway drug. Well, I... I say that I say that very <laughs> facetiously. Yes. I beg to differ. Um, so and do then, I. <laughs> you know, I was just on a path of self-destruction. And so by the time I was 20, I met cocaine, which became my drug. You know, I became a drug dealer. Uh, I stayed up for days. I went to clubs, Studio 54, Xenon. I was doing all that, never sleeping. Uh, I dropped out of high school. And by the time I was 27, a thread throughout my life is my mother was a very, uh, she was a sort of manipulative person. I love her. She raised me, but, you know, she would try to get me to commit suicide on numerous occasions. Um, What? Why? Well, she would just say that this life is so bad that there's a peace. There's a, you know, if you die, it's all over. You know, there's nothing after that. So it sounded appealing to me as because I was a living in a living hell. So to think that you just die and you get out. So what happened was I actually, uh, my father who had still been looking for us found us because it's a long story, but I, I got arrested. I went to Rikers Island. I, I was, yeah, I was arrested for drugs, like a drug related crime, not drugs. It came close, but never what for drugs. What did you do? Oh, I was a burglar um, oh. and I was a drug dealer. So I was involved in a lot of things. Uh, got involved with the mob a little bit. But by the time I had met, he found us and I met my older brother and sister uh, again. Uh, my brother was a rocket scientist. So it's just, <laughs> this is why I had to write a book. Because and, you, so and you're on Rikers and you're, yeah, yes. okay. Um, by the time I had met him again, I was, you know, suicidal, uh, the, the cocaine, uh, you know, I just couldn't stop and it was killing me. And anybody that knows about addiction, you know, you, you're doing the drug, you're doing the drug, you feel great when you're doing the drug, but when it's, there's no more drugs, the suicide thoughts come in and, and I'm sure there's a lot of people to understand. Yep. Yep. So... Okay, so how old are you when you're in Rikers and you meet your dad and your older brother and sister? How old are you? Well, the, the jail stuff and all that happened between the ages of 16 and 27. I met my, my father found us when I was 25, okay. approximately, and my older brother and sister. And at that point, my brother, he was a physicist who went out to prove that there was no God and he ended up becoming a theologian. He's, he's a professor of theology right now in Hong Kong. So he gave me a Bible and I left, just sort of put it aside. And I was on one of my 
four or five days without sleeping and I was going to take my life that night and I saw the Bible, I guess. And, it's okay. Uh, I started reading it. And I came to understand that God didn't hate me or want to judge me, but that he loved me. So that was the beginning of a life change for me. That's right. Would you say in terms of your addiction, um, you know, we always try to kind of get to the point of no return, if you will, where you Mm -hmm. kind of go, I'm either going to get better or I'm going to go to jail for the rest of my life or die. Would you say that was it for you? That's where I was. Yeah. And to say that by reading the Bible and, you know, giving my life to God very soon after changed everything right away. That's not true. It took me a while um, to get off the cocaine, even after I was married and had two kids and following God, it was so strong. Um, So you were, okay. So now you have found religion, so to speak. So mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm not, I don't know if that is your point of no return because you're still doing cocaine and right. you have a family. So yes. when did you finally get to the point where you said, <laughs> I got to stop the cocaine? That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, sure. So I, first thing I need to do is get a job. <laughs> I'm a high school dropout with no career, you know, drugs was my, you know, and, and any addict can tell you there's, we're amazingly resourceful when it comes to finding drugs. So I used that resourcefulness. I went to Wall Street. I got a job in the basement of a bank and just worked my way up over the years. I was still doing the cocaine occasionally because I did have a job and I, and I had a wife. And at one point, I was going, I had I'd moved back to New Jersey. I was going to New York, told my wife, you know, I'll just be, I'll be back. You know, I'm going to hang out with my friends. Obviously, in the back of my mind, I'm going to my addiction. I was on a street in Staten Island, New York, and all of a sudden I pulled over to the side and I just started crying. Because I, you know, you don't want to do it. So uh, I heard a voice say, and I believe it was God, that you don't have to do it. I love you either way, but you don't have to do this. And I just said to myself, I don't have to do this. And I just felt so free. And it's like, God loves me either way. But I said, because of that, I, and I turned around and I never did it again. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, that's amazing. How long? <laughs> how long ago was that, Pastor Joe? That was thirty years ago. Gosh, I'm old. Thirty years ago. Wow. You mm-hmm. know, it's something that you said was kind of interesting, though. You know, you you said you know an addict obviously doesn't want to be an addict and doesn't want to continue taking the drugs. And I think that so often people who are not addicted they look at that. And they go, well, then why don't you just stop? And that's easier said than done. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, and I, as you mentioned before, I did get into the rehab industry about eight years ago. And, um, you know, 
it was someone in my church that had a son that he just could not stop. And I understood. And I had some issues with my own son. So, uh, you know, we found that until someone has a real encounter with God, you know, you, you know about the steps. And we found that if you don't really go through the steps, there's a good chance that you're not healed. Even though I didn't, but I did have an encounter with God. Uh, so, you know, yes, on the outside, I totally understand it. I totally yeah. get it. Well, and you make a good point. And, you know, we've had so, I mean, we're in our fifth year of podcasting and we do it every week and we've had so many former addicts on, on the podcast and there has to be that moment. Now, I will tell you that some of them, it might not be that they find God. It might be that they find something within themselves that mm. they can then believe in and move mm. forward with. And But more often than not, it is a higher power that comes into play. And yeah, anyway, so you found that on your way to New York. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, that was 30 years ago and the rehab was eight years ago, but what happened in that, what are that, 20, some odd year gap there? What happened? Yes. There? <laughs> so for the next eight years, I did. I started going to church, which was something totally new for me. I'm not really into religion. I'm more into relationship, you know. So, but you're a I pastor, working, Joe. <laughs> yes. So I started working with youth. Okay. And I felt I just had such a, a heart for them because of what happened to me. And we soon found out that, um, you know, I was definitely a preacher, but. It happened in about 2000, July 23rd, actually. What happened, I went to Wall Street and I became a commodities trader. And I don't know if you know, Joni, but that can become addictive. <laughs> I I have worked for two different hedge funds. Okay. So in you my know corporate happened, world, I know exactly. Joni, what happened to me is my addiction came back in the form of trading. Um, I ended up losing everything. I have six kids now. I have a wife and six kids. I ended up losing everything like five times. And 20 years ago, uh, I, you know, I felt like God said to me, listen, unless you help others, this kind of stuff, this is just going to be the repeat of your life. So I started a church in North Brunswick. I started in a hotel room uh, August 27th of 2000. Wow. Wow. 21 years ago. No. Yes. Yeah. 21 years 21 ago. Years That's ago. awesome. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right now we have, we're doing two services. We have a beautiful modern building. We have ministries. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out, if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at the addiction podcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now 
to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. There was a, a gentleman in our congregation who had a real heart for uh, addiction, and I do too. And you know what the greatest blessing I have is when I look out of my congregation, I'm like, okay, ex-addict, ex-addict, ex-addict. People that lives have had their lives totally turned around, not just from our rehab, but just from, you know, AA, NA, uh, all different kinds of things. Um, so we started that uh, rehab in 2012 on a wing and a prayer. And, you know, we, we have a new owner now. He's a, an old friend of mine from Wall Street, and his heart is so right about addiction. His name is Kevin Cassidy, and the rehab is Serenity Springs. It's, it's amazing. Um, it's in Edgewater, Florida. I, I read that, and I'm not even sure I know where Edgewater is, and I live in Clearwater. Where's Edgewater? Yeah, it's right by New Smyrna. Okay. New Smyrna, Daytona, Edgewater. Okay. It's a beautiful the other place side. Okay. where people do get better. And that's, it's, it's a hard business to run. It really yeah. is because it's a business and then you have your heart, you know, so <laughs> there's a fine line. Well, and there's a lot of different opinions on what will handle addiction. Um, oh, I, I shouldn't say this because I don't exactly know where you stand. We're not we're not big on medically assisted treatment because yes. so often all you end up doing is substituting one drug for another, mm -hmm. and that's never ever going to work. Agreed. Now, does that mean maybe somebody couldn't do like I don't know Suboxone for a short period of time, maybe, mm -hmm. or you know I know if someone is addicted to um, things like benzos, you you can't just stop. You have to mm -hmm. step down, and I get that. But, you know, long-term use of a drug to get off of another drug just because it's illegal, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. Hence, hence the problem. What you're talking about was what we were always fighting. Yeah. You know, uh, we wanted it to be, you know, the 12 steps, and we, we stayed true to it. But, you know, like I said, it's there's a fine line between business and that, so... The, the guy that took over, a good friend of mine, he believes the same thing. So we're real happy about that. That's awesome. Are you yeah. still involved with the rehab? Do you visit there? Do you? No, I mean, um, my, I had the church, obviously. Uh, what I would do is I would go down and, and I've spoken at different rehabs, but just give the guys hope. It's mostly been men, but uh, just to give hope because being healed of the addiction, which I guess we would say we're never really healed of it. But when you come out of it, the question is, what do you do next? You know, and that that was my life. So I've dedicated my life to helping people come out of whatever it is and and know that, you know, God has a plan for every one of us. Every one of us is uniquely gifted. You're gifted to do podcasts. <laughs> I'm gifted to be a pastor. We all have our gifts and and just to help people find that. I think that's, that's huge. I, I think that's absolutely huge because as I've heard also before from some of the former addicts we've had on the podcast, because typically when they went through addiction was the formative years, a lot of the skills that I might've learned when I was a teenager, they didn't get. 
because mm-hmm. they were busy getting high. And so sometimes there can be a real gap, I think, yes. when a person decides to finally get clean and they do get clean and then they're like, what now? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the fact that you've been through it is huge. It's one thing for me to talk to a former addict and say, yeah, I really should get off the drugs. But it's another thing for someone like you or Michael DeLeon that we've had on here several times to go, hey, I've been there and I've been to prison mm-hmm. and you don't have to go down that road. Yes. And you know what I would always tell them, Joni? This is one of the things I would always say. I'd say, listen, <laughs> somehow without a job, <laughs> you were in nightclubs or whatever doing the most expensive drugs that resource that you had to do what was hurting you, use that same tenacity to go and and do good. And I've seen so many men and women do it. Approach Uh, recovery in the same way that you approached your addiction. And, you know, okay, forgive me, this is a little bit irreverent, but when you were talking (laughs) about being a drug dealer, one of the skills that you develop is you're a salesman. You can exactly. sell. I, I'm sorry. I, I think that sounds really irreverent. Joni, that's that, not. That is the absolute truth. But you do. There are skills there. And if they can take mm-hmm. that intensity and that hunger, if you will, and approach their recovery from that same mindset, there's nothing they can't do. That's basically you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I know. That's my life. That's my life. <laughs> You know, um, I always say, you know, why was I good on Wall Street? Well, I was good with numbers. Why were you good with numbers? Okay, do we even have to go there? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, okay, so you started your church in, Mm -hmm. what'd you say, in your living room? Uh, In a hotel room. In a hotel room, in a hotel room. Yes. And how did you then grow from there? That was 20 years ago. Yeah, we moved to a storefront. You know, we didn't care. We weren't interested in being something, uh, a church, you know, that, you know, with a steeple, we, we wanted to see people's lives change. More like fellowship. Yes. That's who I am. I mean, I'm a living, breathing testimony. It's kind of ironic that this Sunday I'm going to be giving my testimony at our church, you know, Um, but I wrote it down in a book for people and, 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 you know, it's helped a lot of people. Um, My bio does not mention a book. Yeah. So and I do, I do it for, I don't do it for the money either. It's, it's, but what's the name of the book and how do people get it? It's called the reason to live. The reason to live. A reason to live. It's on Amazon. All the, all the book. uh, I I think I gave the link to that. By Joseph Carlucci. Yes. Okay. A reason to live. But you know, if you call our church, (laughs) you need a book, we'll send you one, you know, um, we get a lot of testimonies of people that um, that give it to addicts, you know, people that have kind of lost hope. Um, and it's the Grace Church of North yes. Brunswick, New Jersey. Yes, yes, Grace. For anybody that, yeah, obviously, I've received a lot of it. Exactly, Pastor Joe. I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for people. You know, I always think anybody who's a former addict for coming on the podcast and being willing to share their story, because I know that it's not a part of their life or your life, the addiction part. It's not a part of your life that you're proud of. But I feel like when you're willing to share it, 
-hmm. whether it's in a book or whether it's talking to us, that you are benefiting others. And the more that, and now here I'm definitely preaching to the choir, the more you benefit <laughs> other people, the yes. more you benefit you. Yes, that's why it's such a privilege for you to have me on here. I really appreciate it. And, you know, the, I will give one verse. It says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Your like testimony that. is so powerful. Literally, that's all I really have. I just tell people, look, here's where I, and by sharing, you said by sharing, I'm not ashamed of it. I, when I share it, it, it loses its power over me. Like, I don't now, care. That's what a good think. point. You I know, don't care you, what people think. That's yeah. right. When you share it, when you share what you've gone through, when you share how, how bad it got, it doesn't affect you anymore. I, I, I. I boast of my, you know, that's a biblical thing to boast of your weakness. Hey, listen, I wouldn't need help if, if I was so strong. I'm not. I'm still as weak now as I was then, but I do have God and I do have, I have a future and I yep. have hope. And that's all people need is a little bit of hope. And I, right. anybody who's listening right now, I'm telling you, God has a great plan for your life. Don't lose hope. Don't. I love that. I absolutely love that. Pastor Joe, I want to wish you the best of success with your church and with everything that you do in life because you deserve it. And well done on being clean and sober and helping others become clean and sober. We need to clone you about 10 million times and then we'll have a hold on this uh, pandemic that's out there. Thank you so much. Yes, I just want you to know I'm praying for the, what you guys are doing. You are changing people's lives. And I can't wait to share this podcast, not just mine, but all of them with some people that I know that really could use it. Thank so you. It was my honor. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed Pastor Joe's interview. He speaks from the heart. Um, I think that his church service would be very fun to go to because he just has a lot to share. And I think the fact that he's experienced his own addiction is always something we need to hear about. Listen, it, today this podcast is going up. It's November 11th. Once again, please don't wait until after the holidays to get yourself or someone that you love into treatment. Addiction is not gonna go away. It's not gonna take a holiday. And the longer it goes on, the worse it gets. So don't wait. Please get into treatment. We'll talk to you again next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.